Welcome to the Vanquisher's Guide. I'm your host, Bryce. I'm Bradley. And I'm Randy. And welcome for another week. This Ooh. week we're venturing into the wonderful, amazing, awesome, extravagant, super cool world of Magic the Gathering. That was so many descriptors to that. That was, see, it is. That's well, just I'm, how good the game is, though. Is yeah, it? It's been around for so long, it deserves every single one of those. And yet you yeah, didn't include others. old. You put in a lot of other descriptors, but not old. To I the could game. do like ancient or something. If yeah. that's ancient, ancient, I feel like a little extreme. It's not I ancient. I don't know, man. It, sorry, before I was born, that's kind of ancient to me, right? Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that means I'm, I'm ancient. Yep. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I've been lured into a like month. Life comes at you fast. Red's turning gray as we speak. The age, <laughs> the, the ages are all hitting him at once. No wonder, no wonder my so hairline's receding. <laughs> well, thanks for calling Ooh. me wise. I was going the the negative direction. Yeah. <laughs> all right, though. Um, yeah. But Magic the Gathering, I think all of us play it pretty actively. You, uh, know? you don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't play I mean, it that I mean, I play it with you quite a bit, so I think <laughs> okay, I know well. this, this, you know. Fair. <laughs> but... I'm in crippling debt because of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite an expensive hobby, but... This is a cry for help. You know, <laughs> I think we have all uh, played Magic the Gathering for at least a couple of years, and it was... It's always a pretty fun game. I love the art that they have on each individual card and like the art you is know. something else. Yeah, it's pretty freaking awesome. And mm. like the world behind it has always kind of interested me and you know there's all these cool characters and different like legendary creatures and uh different events that happen with every kind of set that they put out. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, you know, why not? Let's venture into it see what it's got to give and i was not disappointed it was yeah. pretty awesome yeah now a question are we sure. getting are we going to be getting into some like of like the real deep hidden lore in uh magic today or are we stand are we gonna stay above the surface for now um i think we might just drill down like a, a couple of meters into the okay. iceberg you know we're not Dip going our toes to a little down. bit in the, in the ice okay yeah. Interesting, because I know I, I know very little of the lore, but I know that like it's kind of like Dark Souls in the fact that like there isn't a whole lot of lore that you can like just pick up very easily. But if you really want to, there is a plethora of information to dig into if you if that's like your jam. So oh, yeah, there's, there's such an expanded universe of just like it's books, huge, you know, the cards and just so many different things. It's and now they're starting to make D D, you know. Yeah, so. I was just gonna say they're also well, starting to make D D campaigns as well, and so it's it's really branching. And uh, it's pretty cool with the lore. I remember when I first got into it, I was like, I loved looking at the art and stuff, and I loved reading like the the flavor text at some of the bottom mm -hmm. of the cards. Mm -hmm. And I did like at this point, I had no idea that there was like the books and like more lore. I just thought like whoever drew the picture got it like you know put a caption on the picture and like right. abilities or something. And then I remember, I think it was either Liliana, who's a, a planeswalker, or it might've been just a legendary creature or something, but I had a couple of them. And when I read the flavor text, it, it almost like told a story of her. Mm. And I love that so much. Yeah. It's, and it's so cool that I was like, not only like, like not only am I playing this game, but like I'm playing with a story and I know, I know it's might be like a disliked strategy in the game, but like making decks that like kind of tell a story and have like a whole right. theme to it, just I've always interested me. And I, I do have one deck that I tried my best to do like a theme with it, but like just how like the or there's a you know there's a card that you know says something, and then there's a card that has that character in it, and they're doing something, and it's like a completely different thing, and they it just tell it's just so cool how. I, if anyone doesn't play magic i'm sorry if you don't get this point. <laughs> it's just so cool that this 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 game that has i mean thousands upon thousands of cards is able to connect these things over you know years and right. and give us this huge 
you know wellspring of of stories it's just it's just really cool Mm -hmm. i think my favorite uh iteration of that is with the shadows of innistrad set and i won't get too much into this because that's kind of like a whole can of worms and oh yeah it's like super interesting but there are these two uh people or planeswalkers and they have like this beef with each other and so you can see like the awful things that they do to each other during this set and kind of like the battle that they have with each other and so like it's pretty cool you know like you read the flavor text on one card and it kind of hints at like an event happening and then you read the flavor text on another card and it talks about that same event that was happening but from like the other person's perspective so it's right. like That's so, so cool, cool man yeah there's, yeah there's a lot of really cool stories in the like just between either between iterations of the same cards like there's some where you can see the cards and like that's one creature just like evolving between iterations or like there's i think in that same set you were talking about bryce of uh, shadows over innistrad there's two different cards in the set that tell a story together of there's a girl um, one of the cards the picture of is a little girl dropping a teddy bear down a well Mm -hmm. and then in this in the lore that little girl then ends up getting corrupted by an entity and becoming like this weird tentacle monster thing. But then, yeah. so then there's a second card where then there's a weird tentacle monster reaching down into a well and pulling up a teddy bear out of the well. And it's like, Oh, that's the same. That's that little that's girl coming crazy. back to get her teddy bear out of her, the well that she dropped. And it's it's all like, connected. It's all connected. So it's Sorry, very cool. One one more that i had so okay uh, just one more okay only one i'm just i'm just so excited so uh there's a card i don't remember what set it came in uh but his name is general kuro general kenobi so basically so there's him in the picture and he's got like some emerald like color uh, gems on him or green but it looks like emeralds and then there's a city behind him and the city has a name on his flavor text. I don't remember what it's called, but it looks like Emerald City from uh, Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. That's just kind of how mm-hmm. I always call it. And then there's another card called Call of the Coppercoats, um, which just quickly is basically a card that gives you a lot of little soldiers. <laughs> and by little, oh, I don't oh. mean like tiny people. I mean like <laughs> in the game, like there's power and toughness, but it gives right. you like these weak soldiers. And in that picture there's again that emerald city thing and then in the bottom flavor text it basically i think it says like general cool kuro calls his troops or something like along those lines and Mm -hmm. it just like like i think he might be a legendary creature but like these two very insignificant cards as far as like the big lore they're not he's not a planeswalker he's just a random general and like even that has this connection of this big battle that's happening and he's calling his troops and it's just like a really just it's just cool magic is great magic is very cool and i love how if you want to get into like if you want to get into the lore you can get into the lore if you want to get into like really deep gameplay styles you can get into like it's kind of got like a lot of different things for a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. Well, there's people fun. that make decks only using right. cards with artists of different of the certain pictures, and wild. so like oh. that's that like their decks are usually not great, but like they have just so much love for a specific artist that like that's that's how they you know show their appreciation. Yeah, I I just love it. It's so awesome, like just all of it. But to kind of jump into this, I wanted to kind of preface oh, yeah, we're a monster podcast aren't we yeah sorry let's get to the monsters man what's all this like lore stuff <laughs> you saying we're not a magic the gathering podcast these days we haven't changed yet okay my oh, bad man. not yet not yet yeah but uh so just to preface uh this particular uh podcast so magic the gathering like a lot of the creatures that are in it are not super well defined in like their powers and abilities. Well, like mm. the specific cards are, but like the the species or whatever can vary exceptionally. Like they just can be very different from each other, and even like appearance as well as ability. Uh, one example of this that kind of sticks out that we're actually going to be covering today is Bayloths and. The term Baylots is somewhat of a blanket term for a set of beasts with similar attributes. So it's not typically like one like hard defined species that has like right. all these defined traits. It just is kind of like a lot of beasts that look somewhat similar and have somewhat similar attributes. So would you say it's like it's kind of like 
saying bears rather than saying black bears or like something specific like that. It's just, it's just the general, very broad term. It's in the species of bear, not a specific one type of bear, or is it even more general? It would probably be more in the terms of like giant. Oh, like gotcha. The, the, like, so like an entire, like, maybe that's the same as bears. Maybe I'm just trying to sound smart, but like, you've got like at least in like D setting you have giants that literally don't even resemble each other sometimes but like they're you know big humanoid creatures mm-hmm. and so baloths yeah. are you know large beasts that you know share some characteristics but like if you got into like the biology of it they right. could even be different like species gotcha yeah. so it's like they have a very specific set of things where like all they have to do is be like for the giant example they have to be humanoid and really big and it's like okay if they're both of those then giant anything more specific than that then you're gonna have to figure it out from there but Mm -hmm. we're gonna call them a giant because they have those two specific things at the very least yeah it's just like a really like general term so like even more general than the general terms for our own animals yeah yeah 100 percent and so, like, uh, I also liked how you mentioned earlier, Brad, that each, like, card has its own artist. And so, like, mm-hmm. not every Magic the Gathering card's art is made by the same artist. So, you know, like, each artist brings to get to the table its own special, like, and different flavor. Mm-hmm. So even though there's, like, the same creature, you know, when it gets, like, brought back, that same creature, and it gets redrawn by a different artist, it might look slightly different and with right. like slightly different like attributes and also abilities. And so I just, with this episode, tried my best to describe and analyze these creatures based off of how they look and how they play and also the limited flavor text at the bottom of the card that I had access to. Yeah. <laughs> Which some, with some cards, it's a very, very limited flavor text. And then yeah. there's some cards, I, I have often found this funny with playing cards, uh, playing card games in general with that usually and it's because that they only have a limited amount of real estate on those cards and so like they can't have too much text on the card or else things become illegible and like they can't make the text too small so because of that the more powerful usually the creature is then the less less flavor text and less like story there is to the creature on the thing so like the really weak creatures that have basically no abilities and there's nothing special to them they'll have like a full paragraph and then the really really powerful yeah. things they're like gods they're like yeah they don't get anything we don't have room on the card for it so i yeah. just think it's interesting how yeah some of them have like a have like a paragraph and some of them just have a sentence uh-huh. and then some of them just nothing at all you just yeah. have to then, go off the abilities that they have then those uh like big powerful things have like books written about them that's that's <laughs> yeah. the counter yeah that that's is true off. Mm-hmm. but and so I think also we should probably go into a bit of the Magic the Gathering universe for anybody that doesn't know or anybody that is also curious about it that maybe have just oh, played the game and not like delved into like, what is mana? You know, actually. I thought you never, you never ask. <laughs> yeah. So to put it kind of plainly, the Magic the Gathering Multiverse is a wide-spanning and possibly infinite set of universes, and each of these universes is called a plane. And each of these planes is very, very unique. It has its own native flora and fauna, and each of these planes also has their own theme. You know, and typically, like the the kind of structure of the Magic the Gathering uh, card set is there's about uh, two or three sets in a block, and each of those blocks takes place on a plane, typically. Right. And so some of these themes can vary very widely. Uh, one of my favorite planes is called Phyrexia. And this plane is... I think is you mean the best plane. You, I, I think mean, you mean there's the a lot of good ones. Plane. Yeah. This Phyrexia one is, is awesome, man. Like... I highly recommend, like, even if you're not, like, super interested, if you have, like, any interest in Magic the Gathering lore, you just look up and read just kind of the structure of Phyrexia and, like, a little bit of its history. It's very interesting. But to cover it briefly, Phyrexia is a hellish 
biomechanical landscape that consists of nine separate layers. And these layers can range from boiling oceans of oil to simply consisting of pure energy. And Sounds so, like a great place to live. Yeah, it's <laughs> freaking wicked, man. Like, there's all these different types of, like, horrible creatures that are either machine or biological or, like, something, some terrible abomination between the two. Right. And, like, even another uh, layer out of those nine is basically, like, a perverse artificial jungle in which it just rains oil. Yes. <laughs> It's freaking crazy, man. Yo, don't know what that atmosphere is doing. Don't let America find out about this place. We will invade <laughs> immediately. <laughs> oh man. Yo, I'm I'm sending troops pronto. I don't well, think uh, our military would do very good against that plane. What are we yeah, talking about? We're equipped at all for what? We just get an upgrade. It'd be like the movie Robots. Upgrades everywhere. People are turning into robots and left and right. It's great but i feel like i feel like a nuclear bomb would do them good like i think like <laughs> it would benefit them yeah i'd probably just make them stronger and more angry yeah, yeah i just imagine though like you just have like a little straw that pokes through a tiny portal and just goes into their like oil lakes and you're like it's <laughs> a little off the top you know <laughs> yeah but uh a lot of these Magic the Gathering planes take significant inspiration from other works of media, like even Frexia specifically. You may kind of recognize that Nine Layers is similar to Dante Alighieri's depiction of the Nine Circles of Hell in the Divine Comedy. You know, so I did recognize that. I did. I thought it was just me. I thought I was the only one who recognized that. Well, you're not alone. Dang it. You did well. You recognized good. I'm not special. I don't though. even. I don't even know what that is. To be honest with you guys, a divine comedy. Am I? Am I done? <laughs> um, it's about like uh, uh, this Maybe. guy who journeys through hell, and each mm -hmm. like circle of hell gets progressively worse. And yeah. like, there's this is guy a named Virgil. It's a, a book. It's a very old book. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't get into reading until actually I've read my entire life. I just never, never. Uh... Hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of Dante's Inferno? Yes. That that's what they're talking about. Dante's oh, Inferno yeah. is is, I mean, is I've the I've story read, of the nine. Re yeah. Well, very few people these days have actually read it, but a lot of people just know the hmm. story is about it. it. And I think there's a there's good. a painting of it as well. It's yes, real dense. Good. It's real dense. Yeah. It's so. it's a uh, it's pretty uh, imaginative. Imaginative yeah. and very audiobook. Here I come. <laughs> yeah, very I abstract. It's a good read. Yeah. Um, but also to touch on another plane, just to show the different varieties that they have. This one is a more recent one that they put out called Eldraine, and this plane draws a lot more inspiration from like Arthurian legend and the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. It's a very cool set. Yeah, it's extremely cool, and it's like such a kind of like a hard switch from like this mm -hmm. hell to Seriously. like you have all these tales of epic knights and their high kings battling against like the wilds right. that contain like everything from giants and dragons and you got like witches and stuff and baking people and, in the uh, pies and i'm just gonna throw out there that there's uh this great tree that exists in the world that uh was the proudest moment of my life when I got it. <laughs> it's not a tree. Oh, sorry, it's a, hinge, a, a hinge. It's a hinge. Please get your facts straight. The picture a, is a tree, though. It is. It is a picture of a tree, but let's, <laughs> let's not of my spell life. it short. So that is it's the most be, uh, my favorite plane. That's my yeah. least favorite plane because I was so frustrated because I was the only one at card I wanted from that set. But to be fair, I think I only bought one set of. the booster packs from that set so like what do you really expect i wasn't i, I wasn't all that committed yeah no, it, it's a really cool set because there's i mean there's like the the piper of the swarm which is like the uh -huh. oh yeah so the, the pied piper pied piper there's i mean like literally just any kind of fantasy thing that mm -hmm. you think about from like the grim's tales or beauty i mean there's the seven dwarves i mean like it's uh -huh. a Definitely, a, like one of the coolest thematic planes. Cinderella's slipper, uh, like glass oh, yeah. slipper, is a card. And the clock tower. And the clock tower, yep. yeah. 
yeah uh yeah there's tons of different stuff that's like really cool like not fully copied over from like the disney movies or slash grim brothers grim stories but it's just like kind of their take on it that made it really fun yeah and i just love seeing like that inspiration iterated Mm -hmm. into like something that Mm -hmm. i can whip my friends with (laughs) yeah there was the there was the little girl there was a little girl that was a reference to uh, Goldilocks. Oh, and she the, yeah, she had the bear. She, and three bears. She was, uh, yeah, she was a little girl that when you played her, she would summon three bears to her side. And it was like, oh, that's kind of fun. She's fun little reference mm-hmm. to that. Though, to be fair, so good. honestly, for, for the flavor, it should have been that when you play her, your enemies all get three, three, or like a group of three bears. But I feel like that would have been a little bit of like a garbage card if you played use that so yeah and that's like old <laughs> no is the most powerful card ever <laughs> yeah unless she's like incredible yeah like uh brad was saying before uh in a game of magic the gathering you are called what is called a planeswalker and there are other planeswalkers that exist in the game that you can kind of summon to your side and these planeswalkers are incredibly powerful beings like just crazy powerful they have pretty much godlike power some of them are if not actually gods i feel like they are like one step away from being actual gods well there is one called the god pharaoh exactly yeah he's the one that i was thinking of like he is basically if not if not completely he at least is one step away from being legitimately a god and then a lot of the others are like really edging up on that territory well, his brother Ugin, so... Yeah. Fun little fact is that also uh, that same god pharaoh, I believe, either created or heavily modified his own plane. Yes. You know? right. So that was pretty sweet. But these uh, planeswalkers can travel between realms and are able to summon a wide variety of creatures from other neighboring or distant planes, as well as enchantments and other powerful artifacts. Yeah, it's cool because like if I mean kind of going back to the lore a little bit, the the story and the like all of these planes and like just everything kind of seems to travel with these planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool throughout all the sets how, you know, sometimes they're working together and then one of them will like backstab each other. Mm-hmm. And like that can be seen through all of the art and the cards that come out. And even though it's like it's from the lore, or maybe the cards come first, probably that, but like Anyway, you can see see the progression from like the the first couple sets to now, just the transformations that they've gone through. They look different, and it's because they they're basically in a constant war, going to these different planes to save humanity yeah. while you know battling with them. It's just a really cool like sub thing going on with the planeswalkers, and it's just a really right. cool thing to see with that they you know they're able to do. Yeah, there's a there's one planeswalker that. Every single time we see him, he looks a little bit more like mechanical, and he's mm-hmm. slowly becoming like just a complete robot machine kind of thing. And it's kind of neat to see like that progression every time he comes out. It's like, ooh, how much more? How how far has he got now? Where is he at with yeah. his becoming a machine? Yeah, when's his neat. final form, man? Exactly. I'm curious. And then <laughs> I think uh, you were going to talk about him a little bit, but then uh, there's Omnath which is a pretty cool creature that we'll talk about in a minute. But he's just every yeah. form, every iteration of him is a little bit different. That's very fun. Yeah, and he has like an awesome progression. Mm-hmm. And like we were saying, you know, like that interdimensional like battle is like one of the coolest things to follow and to see like right. how it like kind of takes place in different planes and whatnot. And as planeswalkers you're also able to like cast like super powerful spells like either lightning storms or you can cause effects of unparalleled destruction just destroying absolutely everything Oof. and you do all of this by channeling an energy force known as mana oh mm. so each of these planes contains mana and Mana is basically a magical energy that flows through what are called ley lines. And these kind of crisscross and zigzag across all the planes and kind of coalesce stronger in different places and are weaker in others. And this mana can take many forms, such as glowing sculptures or a semi-liquid substance. It can also exist inside of objects, such as plants. 
or even condense into its very own towering elementals, aka Omnath. Like you're My saying. My boy. Yeah. Guy's so incredible. Omnath is super cool because he's basically like pure mana. And so with each iteration, he gets an additional variety kind of grafted into him and gets bigger and stronger. And he just keeps absorbing everything around all the energy around him and just is juicing. The guy's yeah. literally juicing. Yeah, he's juicing like none other, man. <laughs> it's so cool. I love I love the the like the side little because it's not very important. I don't think Omnath really does anything lore wise important as far as I'm aware. But just it's fun to see this little side story of this guy. Just every time he shows up, he's got another color of mana added to him, and he can do new things. And he's just like a little bit bigger and a little bit more exciting. Yeah. So I think he's very exciting. He's very on fun. his fourth iteration. I wonder what uh -huh. his fifth iteration will be. Right. You know, always yeah. interesting to see. Very. Um, and just just like like explaining mana just a little bit more clear, maybe uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to do it. Sorry, guys. Uh, but a powerful man once said, the force <laughs> is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us, and it binds the galaxy together. So that's kind of like the force and mana are kind of a similar. Like, if you don't understand one, you can look at the other. Like, it's a, just a energy source, power source, you know, right. thing that not only does it give like planeswalkers and us like powers to do stuff in the world but also just something that kind of connects everything together and gives thing life gives yeah. things life nothing quite like using a explanation that was confusing in its first iteration to then try and explain something well, else that is also confusing in this iteration star wars is slightly more popular than magic <laughs> yeah so people know more are gonna know a little bit more about the force that's I true feel like yeah. when i was a kid i just heard that explanation and i went what? That, oh, that didn't clear anything up. But <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> so that, was, that, was a, that was when I was a kid. When I, I was think a child. That was, was a pretty good analogy. Like, I agree. Uh, one also thing about mana is that, you know, it's deeply connected with the life force of each plane, maybe similar to the force, you know? But if there is little or no mana in a plane, things will quickly die or become emaciated and weak. So it's very crucial to, like, the plane and, like, Mana also has its uh, own different colors or varieties, and there are five, technically six, but we'll kind of just stick to the five for now. I was convinced that the sixth one actually was real for the longest time. <laughs> I was a fool. It's real. He had a tinfoil hat on and everything. He was had yeah. strings going everywhere. There's proof <laughs> I can show you. I became a waste mana activist. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, there is waste mana, but little known fact, there also was disgust of bringing in purple mana. There it was. I would love time. that. Yeah, so each color has its own different attributes and breathes life into its own flavor of creatures. Of course, there are maybe small exceptions to this rule, but for our purposes, we'll just kind of stick with uh, how green, one of the colors that we'll be talking about, carries with it creatures like hydras, worms, uh, elves, dinosaurs, and massive beasts like Baloths. These creatures hey. are defined by their sheer power and extreme durability. Sometimes, I love green. Green is a green is a great color. It's definitely of us three. It's definitely Randy's color. Yes, sir. I, I, I think green. it was my favorite one starting out. Yeah, I'm just still so bad. I'm still I'm at <laughs> Bryce's starting out level. That <laughs> I still like green because I'm just I'm not very good at anything else. So, well, um, I mean, I feel like I feel like as far as the game actually. goes, uh, having big creatures and you know killing people that way is just it just feels good. It makes sense. Yep. Yeah, so, man. It makes simple. Yeah. Not yeah. Simple. I just hit people with big creatures and they die. Yeah. But, That's all you need. But then I found the majesty of red. And oh. red, on the other <laughs> hand, has creatures like dragons, ogres, uh, little nasty goblins, uh, lightning elementals, and like we're also going to talk about Hellions. These creatures yeah. are more defined by their speed and a lot of times extreme aggression. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking and about? Dragons are I'm aggressive. Like the, I'm like the slumlord of the group. Slumlord? <laughs> you talking about black? Black? My favorite color is black, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, black's pretty good, but I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I like that red a bit more. No, no, red's great. Green's great. Red's garbage. 
Nobody likes fire. red. No, no, no. The real <laughs> one that everyone can get behind is blue everyone hates worst. blue. Blue is just the least favorite, and no one likes it, and everyone hates playing it. It's really just a color that nobody plays in the in the format, and I don't understand why it still exists because nobody plays blue. Overall, right. it's just oh, it's overall just weak and barely does anything. So yeah, it's really an underdog in the uh, it in is the meta. Every time I see someone playing blue, I'm like, really? What a bold choice! Like, well, man, uh, you're in trouble. It's white is over there crying in the corner <laughs> for being the worst color. <laughs> People are like, uh, I'll put white in my deck, I guess. <laughs> For smothering guys, why not? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, if there's one card that you really need that can white, then you'll add it. I always have a problem because my my favorite three color, sorry, a little bit like just random talking here. Very my aside. favorite three color combination is black, red, and white. And I oh, with good. my deck my deck that's that color is I have like two red cards and then black and white are always fighting for the most but i feel mm. like <laughs> i i never like it's just like a, a constant struggle because those are my favorite colors um even though like white's known as the worst i feel like just there's such powerful cards in those co- in that color yeah but uh it's just like i definitely have like a tier list of good colors and i feel like all of us blue agree that blue is the worst <laughs> yeah I'm right there or with most you. Annoying. My favorite's uh, a green, black, white. Like I love that combo of colors, and I'm there with you. Where I'm always like, ah, trying to find balance. Oftentimes, it ends up being that like trying to. It almost feels like in a lot of times I'm trying to justify having white in the deck, and I'm like, I barely have anything in here, but I want to have it in here, so I gotta find more cards. Um, but yeah. White's kind of like the icing on the cake, you know? Like yeah, exactly. It goes things, but you don't want to eat it by the spoonful. No. Well, yeah. hey, I've, I've eaten icing by the spoonful. It's great. Not for a very long, <laughs> at least. In, in very small doses. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you said, Bryce, green and red are going to be our main colors for today. Yes, that is correct. And we'll awesome. start off first with uh, green. And awesome. our green boys for this week will be the Bayloths. Sweet. And Baylos are incredibly varied in appearance, like we were kind of talking about earlier, but they all share somewhat similar traits. Uh, firstly, they are a beast-type creature, and they're very large, oftentimes, at that. Like, you can think like a semi-truck uh, <laughs> barreling through the forest at you. It, it's not a fun time. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty massive, man. I mean, like, sometimes it can be hard to tell what the perspective in the cards, but when you see yeah. people next to them, they're huge, dude. They're really I think, I think that's my problem is like in most of the cards, there's not a person next to them. So I've never really fully grasped the size of them. I've played like different cards of Baylos tons, but I've never, I was like, yeah, they're big. But I always figured like they're like maybe large dog to like maybe rhino bear style size. I didn't, I never realized how like humongous they are. I could see also maybe rhinos for some of the smaller varieties, but sure. I think mostly they're they're quite large. That's awesome. And to make matters worse, they also possess large and very sharp horns, teeth, and claws. So they're willing and able to just shred you at any opportunity. Built for killing. Yeah, basically. Well, one of, one of these cards that you posted just as a picture as reference... One of the flavor texts is all we know about the Crocian forest. We have learned from the uh, from the few those few of us who've made it out alive, and it's said that's quoting a elvish elvish refugee. So you have to imagine, and it's a refugee probably that lived in that area. Their entire group of people had to leave wherever they lived because Bayloths just killed everyone. Bayloths or Bayloth. Yeah. Was it more than one, or did one just come and destroy <laughs> them all? Maybe just one. More than one. But, they, I feel like they're pack animals, probably, but... Yeah, yeah. I think they're definitely pack animals. But nonetheless, terrifying and can do tons of damage. For sure. And they are mostly quadrupeds, though. Uh, but some of them appear to kind of strangely have more functionality in their front legs and toes, almost as if... If they really wanted to, some varieties could just run at you on like two legs, kind of like a raptor. <laughs> uh, Clever girls. It's very, t- it's very terrifying. 
beyond kind of those similarities, they can look very different. Some have tough, leathery skin, while others have dense armor plating, and some have no eyes, and some have a like a bright red crest on their heads, almost kind of rooster-esque, honestly. Nice. <laughs> Funny. But most Baelots are shades of brown or green, but they can even be shades of red or even blue. That makes sense if they're living in like forests for them to be like a lot of the natural tones, greens, browns, and things like that. But yeah, camp camouflage and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you got some blue to... ones for some reason because blue's well, got to get know, their hands in everything. <laughs> some of them <laughs> could like live in the Arctic or something. That's true. Yeah, those Arctic um, forests. Not that I've seen, but maybe oh, they just they just I like guess. blue. I guess. Maybe your, your your ideas are stupid, Brad. Go home. Sorry, guys. Oh uh, no. Well, I was thinking. I, I was trying to think. Um, in the Kaldheim set, there might have been some. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there were for that one. Well, then I'm just gonna stop talking again. <laughs> go home. It's all good. Like uh, a lot of these creatures that we'll be talking today are take place in like a lot of planes. Mm-hmm. That kind of contributes to a lot of their variety. I think that's interesting. So sorry, kind of an aside that I I find interesting that although there are tons of different planes or like quote unquote like different universes and like like mirror or uh, what's the word multiverse like uh, there's a bunch of different worlds and they're all so different like each one has its own ecosystems and like very different creatures. I think it's interesting that yet there's still some creatures that make it like evolve similarly across different planes and are end up being maybe not the exact same across planes but close enough to be called the same thing yeah I think it could be like planeswalkers taking uh that was what i was wondering creatures, like between them or it could be just that life evolves similarly similarly in different similar to each other just similar like that's what's genetically and then yeah it functions well for what they need to be so it has nothing to do with the fact that they want to keep tribal stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> Game-wise, it also makes sense. But lore-wise, I think it's neat to think about that. No, and it's, also, it's very I, cool. I also wonder how much of it is because, like Bryce said, how much of it is the planeswalkers bringing from one plane a Baloth through, and then that Baloth just got left on that plane and then started his own like thing, started breeding with other uh, species of that planes and be- made his own subspecies of Baylos and it goes from there. Yeah. It's like one planeswalker is like, man, I really want my beast tribal to be better, but it brings some uh-huh. Baylos and scatter them throughout the multiverse and yeah, check out. Yeah. Well, and you got to think planeswalkers aren't the only ones that can travel through planes. You know, they're, they're the gods. Contrary to popular belief. That, <laughs> that as well probably have the ability to do that. So for even longer than the, the planeswalkers have been in existence, Right, you know, that's true. Might have, you know, even further back. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but like some of these Baelos also to de- just touch upon their appearance one final time. Sorry. Some of them can look absolutely devilish. Like Those they have like these wicked horns, and they have like bladed bone structures on their arms, almost like kind of like Batman or like yes, predator esque. You know, it's crazy. And then they have like. A maw full pointed fangs, like one particular picture that w- that we had of the ravenous Baloth. Yeah, just awful, man. Just <laughs> terrible. Uh, I don't think that that guy can close his fully because he's just got too much, too many teeth, and too big of teeth to close. The guy must yeah. have the well, most and, severe and underbite. Picture, he's literally like rock climbing. Uh huh. Like, freaking <laughs> crazy, like using, man. Get out of here. Front, using his front legs, is literally arms. Like, that's mm-hmm. so you, crazy. When you try and climb a tree to get out of, get away from them, and they just start climbing in the tree after you. Like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, man. Absolutely nuts. But uh, these Baelos mostly uh, inhabit the plains of Dominar- Dominaria and Zendikar. And both I of these there before I was a fool, made a fool of myself. That's <laughs> oh, all good, man. Both of these are very large and diverse planes, and Zendikar in particular is one of my favorites as well. It's a very diverse and mana abundant plane, home to many other large and powerful creatures. One of those being Omneth as well. Yeah, my boy. And these Baelos 
primarily inhabit the dense forests of these plains. Very cool. Baloths are also known to be extremely tough and very powerful creatures, just in general. Like, one particular instance that kind of stands out to me is on Zendikar, there's a natural phenomenon known as the Royal. The Royal is basically a set of extreme natural disasters that occur on the regular, just because the plane wants to, basically. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah, these are like tidal waves and tornadoes and earthquakes, massive shards of rock just popping out of the ground and also what is called meteoric growth or life blooms which is kind of wicked man yeah but basically some of these balos are so tough that if you're a traveler caught in the royal or intense storm you can seek shelter in a leatherbacks uh balos skeleton so it's kind of like oh man there's a balos skeleton you know it's getting pretty nasty out here just it's a nice little bunker basically to kind of just uh, hang yeah. out in for the time being. Again, shows you just how big they are. Right? Yeah, how big and like how tough. Just climb into your tauntaun. I mean, I mean, Bela. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, another thing, uh, and this is kind of one of the most predominant factors of Belos, is that they all love eating. Don't like a lot. <laughs> like, Am I a Bailoff? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know if you guys, like, fully understand this, but they, like, it's the probably the only reason that they're alive is to eat. <laughs> like, it's said that if a bailoff isn't hungry, it's dead. So well, it's just a little bit of a perspective for you. I guess, again, just showing you how terrifying that they would be just to, like, because I know, like, in Magic, you, you, you're the weakest thing that you can think of as a soldier, not right. even just, like, a normal, bland human can you just imagine how devastating these things could be for just a population of people? Like if they're constantly hungry, their their entire purpose is to eat. To, and that obviously means organic people things, which involve people. Just like how terrifying it would be to live in a world where these things yeah. exist. Oh, this man. thing just lives to come and just destroy your life and eat your family. Freaking wreck that's, your that's day. It's existence. <laughs> it's so freaking crazy. And like... This hunger can be so ex- excessive that some species are even known to migrate from area to area due to the fact that they basically ravage an area and quickly deplete it of anything that they can Whoa. eat. It's so like the right. hyenas from uh, the Lion King. Lion King, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where they just like purge an area of living beings. Oh man, it's freaking absolutely nuts. And they are omnivores, so they'll eat basically anything. That can be like large woodland animals or plants or fruit or the farmers that grow the fruit or the groves that the farmer works in or even (laughs) small cities that have fruit groves in them if they're feeling really peckish. (laughs) So this thing is going to come to your farm, eat you, all of your animals, and then just start gnawing on the trees because it's still hungry. Yeah, I, just, I want to take a bite out of the log. Verbally. <laughs> yeah, That's they'll just crazy. eat everything, man. It's freaking insane. <laughs> but These uh, need help. Yeah, pretty much. And they do kind of function in like a, a pack type society, with the biggest one of them being the leader of the alphas. So, you know, if you thought one was bad, it's it can be bad when there's like 10. or more (laughs) and they're extremely destructive due to their excessive hunger and also they have a tendency to go on rampages and destroy anything in their path i feel like that's kind of crazy that like they don't eat each other with how hungry they are and the fact that they're like i feel like they wouldn't be pack animals because they would just eat each other instead but i guess maybe they maybe maybe if they completely devour an entire region and then they you know can't get somewhere else then they might be cannibals i don't know right yeah and maybe that's the point of having the the pack leader is that like he kind of stops that from happening like no no no, hey hey whoa stop it yeah eat the city city, not the not each other okay they lost together (laughs) strong you're not on these rocks while we uh look for other food delicious there's gotta be something (laughs) yeah but they are absolutely terrifying creatures and they're also very territorial so if you get caught in their territory, it's just absolutely horrible. 
and like they they do like these calls and they're very guttural and they're described as more felt than heard which is just terrible and it said that their screams like i hate that these things can scream (laughs) i was just thinking that (laughs) will carry on for miles man oh wow you just hear these things coming from miles away and just well we're dead that's fun yeah i mean like you can just imagine like the ear piercing like just shrill scream that might even like Mm -hmm. pop your eardrums just terrible jeez but if you thought these things were bad most I do of the think time, they're, they're not even the top of the food chain. Like I mean, a lot of times, they're prey of other larger, more terrifying creatures. Like see, and I think that's creatures. that's the most terrifying thing about them is that yes, they're this bad. But the thing is, these guys are punks compared to you know everything else that. There's always a bigger fish. Yeah, basically. Three Star Wars quotes. Come on. <laughs> now that being said. To play devil's advocate, at least with a lot of the other bigger creatures, like like uh, uh, I just totally lost the word in my head. Hydras. Uh, hydras. Yes, I, all I could think of was hellions. Um, at least with like hydras and things like that, usually there's less of them. Like hydras aren't pack animals, so the likelihood of you running into one hydra or even a lot of hydras is like slim to none because there's so I mean so many less you... of them. You I mean, say they're still... not a pack animals, but there's a lot of heads. So. <laughs> okay, well, and a head's one body, eat. so one body that can only go so many places you can't spread well, across an entire city. No, we chase one of us. Exactly. <laughs> well, and so. and like, if you think like uh, dragons, right? If you think of like in a D and D setting or whatever, right? And there's a dragon in a region. That dragon will hit one city and then retreat and just hang out for a while. Right. But then you got to think like in in these towns that aren't like huge castles or whatever, you'd you'd think like wolves would be actually a bigger threat than the dragon because there's way more wolves. They're mm-hmm. they're there's they have to they are attacking a lot more often because they need food more often. And yeah. so like yes, the terrifying thought of a dragon is you know it's there, but like. The immediate threat would be the Baylos, would be yeah. the wolves. So, like that makes that makes sense. Oh, the dragon average, it might kill more. Yeah, the dragon yeah. is like, yeah, it's bad, but it's almost like getting like like struck by lightning, where it's like, yeah, probably it might happen, but there's no point in living in constant fear of it because the the likelihood of it happening is relatively, and the control that you have over it is slim to none. Like, like nobody can stop mm-hmm. getting struck by lightning, just like almost nobody can stop getting attacked by a dragon. So it's just like. There's no point in living in fear of it because if it happens, it happens, but most likely it won't. Whereas like with a wolf attack, like a pack of wolves or with these Baylots, there's a little bit more that you can do to like try and avoid them and try and stop them. But there's also a lot more of them. So you're also mm-hmm. more likely to come across them. So yeah, yeah a little bit sense. of give and take, you know? Yeah. But I think it- I'll take a dragon over the Baylots. I don't know, man. They're both bad. I they are both bad. Where neither one any of them. <laughs> yeah, seriously. If they're under my control. Well, I guess if I, if I was in this world, I would just prefer to be a uh, planeswalker. Yeah. 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 There I was go. gonna I was gonna say a dwarf and just live underground because then I'm safe from both uh, bots and dragons. Oh man, it's yeah. kind of funny that you mention underground because <laughs> yeah. the next uh, monster we're talking about. I'm setting Hellions. myself up for failure. Yeah, you might be running in a, into a tough time. I dug cause... too deep. My greed got the better of me, and I dug down and found something worse. Yeah, but basically, Hellions are maybe your worst nightmare. They're giant they... worm-like creatures that some of them can be as big as skyscrapers and not small skyscrapers, like big <laughs> skyscrapers. <laughs> I think usually when someone says it can be as big as a skyscraper, they're not usually imagining a story skyscraper. They're like, wow, I mean, that's not that big. Only three stories. They're usually yeah. imagining. I have, like, I have a Lego style. skyscraper, and yeah. that's only like two feet. So like, yeah. that will work easy. <laughs> These guys are tiny. Yeah. But I think more often they're kind of more like a freight train, which is still bad, Oof. but not quite as bad. You know, and these uh, proverbial freight trains of anger, Mm -hmm. they dig through the ground and can even tunnel through dense rocks. So, yeah, you're not safe in your your rocky dwarven caves. Sorry. (laughs) Nowhere is safe. And I'm thinking, like, 
when I'm playing like Diablo or something and like when you're in the earlier levels and you go into a cave and there's those basically the rock worms. like the rockworms and that's kind of what I'm thinking like how devastating they are to like a low level character in that game and then just imagine that and then even bigger in magic it's just mm-hmm. crazy yeah. these things to like reference a previous episode of ours which if you haven't listened to and you want to get this reference go back and listen to that but it, they kind of remind me of crate dragons where that they're just like they're things that live in caves but can which on tatooine they dig in through sand so it's a little bit easier yeah. than solid rock but things that burrow underground and just come up and gulp you in one bite yeah they're like all around terrible and they are mostly have like dense segmented outer carapaces uh, but some of them appear to strangely have like slug-like bodies. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know, like how they're kind of breaking from the the regular kind of almost centipede-esque. Uh, maybe maybe it's just really, really, really tiny little plates of carapace, and so it looks like it's a smooth, like kind of like a snake, where it almost oh, yeah. like more like smaller scales than a snake, like even smaller. Well, than and, that. You, and so you it looks like, think like also. Like different planes, like some with like Very thicker true. rock and more like like volcanic, they would need harder shells and you know spiked or whatever. And then if you get to like grassland or like marshland, then it could be a lot. You know, it could be sluggish because they get through like they would get through uh, like mm-hmm. mud and and like murky water and and whatever much easier just being yeah. able to be like slip slidey. So mm-hmm. slipping and sliding, man. Gross. <laughs> Why do you gotta put that image? Yeah, they also have like these spiny leg-like appendages to help them slip and slide around. <laughs> um, and I think the most terrifying part of these things is that kind of going back to maybe more like a Sarlacc pet, also referencing Star Wars once Yo. again. They have, yeah, they have like these circular mouths of countless sharp teeth. And oh they also gosh. have like many tentacles or other like similar appendages surrounding these mouths to help like just pull stuff into them. Some of them almost look like claws or whatever, and it's just, it's awful. They're like and, an organic blender. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> and awful. to make matters even worse, if we could do that, well, most Hellions also breathe fire or magma. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so these things are just terrible and they're also even found on uh even more planes than balos you know they're also found on a dominaria and zendikar as well awesome Uh, most varieties of hellion also make their homes in uh volcanoes and whether that be in like the crater or like the all the lava is and whatnot around yeah they they swim in how resilient they are seriously yeah it's crazy or they can actually be like the beating heart of the volcano when Oof, they're down no in like thanks. the magma chamber. I almost kind of wonder if this is like a symbiotic relationship with the volcano in which they kind of mm-hmm. fuel it, maybe. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. The volcano keeps them warm and like keeps them safe and they keep the volcano fueled with like adding magma to it. Yeah. I, th- I think that'd just be super cool. That would be very, very cool. Yeah, but Hellions are like manifestations of uh, nature's blind rage, basically. Are they actually blind? Sorry, I I I know that that's just no, no. It's a good question. Um, I burrowing creatures if they are blind as well. I believe most of them do not have eyes. You know, being in like the ground all the time, I don't think they'd be super useful to yeah the Hellion. That was my thought. Well, and also you'd have to think like uh, what kind of organic material that's not protected would survive in magma so like either they you know have eyes with like shielding or something or just not have anything like that because they need it's a weak point yeah very true yeah very good point yeah that's a really good point um but they're also catastrophically destructive and i think that's a very adequate use of the word catastrophically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're very unpredictable and they're endlessly aggressive and hostile very i mean they almost i was gonna say so like you were saying earlier that they're like a beating they're the beating heart of a volcano and like they almost feel like they're like a like a much smaller 
but mobile version of a volcano because they'll come up like they could burrow down underneath of your city, come out the center of your city and start spewing magma everywhere. And it's basically like a volcano just opened up in the middle of your city when 10 minutes ago there was no volcano, no chance of a volcano. Like you purposely built your town way far away from any kinds of uh, volcanoes or chances of them. And now this thing just came out and made like a super devastating natural disaster in the center of town. Yeah, it's it would so like, be absolutely awful. Catastrophic is very good, very apt description because volcanoes themselves are pretty pretty catastrophic. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And like you were saying, they can even be described as like hungry volcanoes. You know, it's just a hungry hey. that wants to eat, or a volcano that wants to eat you. <laughs> that's my nickname, well, a hungry volcano. And, uh, and looking at these. Uh examples that you gave us in our notes one of them uh whenever it attacks it destroys people's land which That's we can go back to, to mana sources and so whether or not it actually is destroying the source of mana it's destroying everything living that was there so it's it's really lessening the effect that the mana mm -hmm. would have in those areas so it's not only you know disrupting human life and animal life and whatnot but it's literally catastrophic than the fact of it's destroying the connection with the mana source in those areas mm -hmm. yeah like just totally incomplete obliteration that's awful which that's lore wise that's terrible and that's very devastating also game in game wise that's also super devastating and very annoying right it's very rude yeah. someone <laughs> destroying your lands that's so like and it's also got like, haste so like it's like right oh. away <laughs> it comes out and it's just instantly a bad day seriously yeah that one's so bad and like if you're wondering on how to avoid these things if it's at, at all possible uh hellions most likely use ground vibrations to hunt and to know where to attack as most so of them like we were saying before yeah possess no eyes yeah, but so then the dragons are coming for you <laughs> If you live in the ground, these guys are coming for you. If you live on the the surface level, then the Baelos are coming for you. And if you live in the air, the dragons are coming for you. Oh, man, there's just nothing is safe, dude. I'm living in the ocean. Kraken. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's oh, the problem. No. <laughs> that was my first thought after I said it. I was like, oh, wait. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, and I do think it's interesting how, like, they hunt using ground vibrations as, yeah, like... They're known to appear in the midst of wars. Like some of these wars, oh, for people that know, are like War of the Spark or the war against Nicobolus. Oh, yeah. That uh, God Pharaoh on Amaket, or cool the guy. war against uh, my favorite, the Eldrazi Titans. We'll talk about them eventually. There's a uh, lot to those guys. Episode. Yeah, it's a lot. But I think it's cool because, like, you think a war is going on, it's making tons of noise, tons of vibrations, you know, there's explosions going off, maybe catapults flinging or whatnot, huge creatures going on. And then, then like, one of these... a lot of food. Yeah, mm. one of these telling is like, mmm, nom nom time, and just Tasty. tunnels over. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. These guys can't, couldn't get worse, and then they did. Yeah, and, like, when they arrive in a battle, they make it worse for... Everyone. Yeah, everybody. they just view fire and death, and it's, it's a lose-lose situation for every side of the battle. Yeah, I don't well, think anybody likes seeing him. If I was a planeswalker, my entire shtick would be a pacifism, so we'd <laughs> be safe. <laughs> just be like, I know you're really hungry and all, but can you just take a nap? <laughs> yeah, but uh, even their per like presence alone has the ability to amplify other fire-oriented spells and amp up the fire creatures and whatnot. Dude, and just... The Fire Nation would love these guys. Yeah, man. I <laughs> I mean, like, I know the like Fire Nation comet. has dragons and all, but they should really invest in, like, some Hellions Seriously. or whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah, Sozin's yeah. Comet, just, like, everywhere you go. This is incredible. Yeah. Just bring, like, six of them, like, pulling your war chariot or your drill, and it's there just, you like, go. when everything... Great, great Avatar references today well, anyone who do um, oh here we go in, well not 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 avatar this is a different oh. reference in oh. the hobbit when the uh orcs are in attacking the castle with the the dwarves they use those they use tunnels underground with those like 
big worm things. Is that what these things could probably be, or? Uh... Um, I have no memory of that scene, so I cannot say. It's because it's it's an awful movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It has had its upsides and more probably more downsides. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, beyond that, like I do know that uh, Baelos and Hellions, at least this version of Hellions, is unique to Magic: The Gathering. Okay. So. Probably something similar, though, in The Hobbit, like you are saying. Um, but one more kind of fact about Hellions that I thought was super cool is that you may think that they're, like, bad all the time to see in them. But Sounds actually, like they're just chaotic all the time. Yeah, just chaotic and, like, hurting everybody. But mm-hmm. uh, one uh, planeswalker by the name of Chandra, she's a pyromancer, and she was able to guide them with jets of flame, so like her pyromancy huh. to help fight against the Eldrazi on Zendikar. The Eldrazi being and I always these, liked her. Like, Cthulhu monsters, yeah. Wow, that's cool. She's cool, yeah. Yeah. That is neat. I Go just Chandra. thought it was like su- super cool. And it's also neat that like there's like these world ending plane consuming Eldrazi mm-hmm. and Chandra's like, ah, oh, Hellions can take them on. Yeah. Go <laughs> Send them after it. <laughs> So it seems like they're more like animalistic and they are they don't have like strategy and they don't really care what they eat. So by, you know, a powerful pyromancer that makes sense that she would be able to not control them, but like know how to handle them and like redirect their aggression. Yeah, kind of like just uh, aim the cannon and shoot. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much been uh, Hellions. You know, like I really think that they're extremely cool creatures. I think they were the one creature in uh, Magic: The Gathering that I really wanted to do, but I right. also like Balos as well. So that's kind of why I chose great. them too. But I hope to cover more uh, Magic: The Gathering creatures. Uh, yeah. Let us know if you guys like this episode. You know, kind of liked its flow and like the discussion of Magic: The Gathering. We can always do more. We got. We can go over the Eldrazi. There's tons of information about those guys. There's also mm-hmm. the Elementals, which they're on almost every oh, plane. They all awesome. all do all kinds of cool stuff. There's the uh, my favorite. The uh, now that I say they're my favorite, I can't remember what they're called. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not be your favorite then. It must not be. Um, it's the the guys that all share their abilities amongst each other. Oh, slivers. Slivers, yes. All I could think of was snipes, Disgusting. and I was like, that's something. That is totally different. Happily <laughs> <laughs> named a... because everybody hates getting slivers in their hands. Yes, there you go. We have slivers, which are really cool. They're like a hive mind kind of creature that all, like, every version of them, so they all have their own unique abilities, but when they get near, share abilities amongst each other, and so they become like this big, massive group of monsters. It's really, they're really cool. So there's there's all kinds of creatures from Magic that we can talk about. Yeah, I think absolutely. it's very fun. Like I, I just love the world so much. Very, yeah. very cool. And sometimes I love it more than playing the game. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, that is so true. There is sometimes that the stories and the, the lore of the game and the the ideas of the game are more fun than having to deal with the players of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys mean me. No. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, you're 100% right. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Nah, man. It's always really fun to play Magic the Gathering with some good friends. Yeah. Very. And again, just like just how cool it is to where I feel like Magic is among one of the games, along with, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and a couple other games, to where there's really something in it for everyone. There's mm-hmm. these awesome books that you can read about lore, and there's the game itself there's the beautiful art there's just the community itself there's right. just so much that it has to offer that you don't have to strictly just like playing the game mm-hmm. or if you just strictly like playing the game and don't care about the lore no one's gonna you know bat an eye and it's just like, cool what this what this can bring and i i definitely think you chose great uh monsters to start with because it's just a very fun topic yeah. i mean this Time has flown by. It's just so good to talk about these things. Yeah, yeah I love these guys. These are two creatures that I've known very little about. Like I've played several of them and like heard about them, but I knew so such little information about them. So that was very cool to get to know what these guys do. And yeah. now 
add to uh, things that are in my nightmares. <laughs> New nightmares with every episode Seriously. brought to you by the Vanquishers guy. Very. That, that's us. Yeah. But uh, yeah, everyone, just tell us like what if there's any specific Magic the Gathering things that you want to hear, or of course any any other monsters and creatures that you want to learn more about. We we love learning and doing these. So yeah, absolutely. Keep and uh, share this episode with a friend if you know yeah. that they like Magic the Hour there gathering and are pretty interested in the lore or if you want to give them nightmares yeah that too man <laughs> if you just hate your friend and like hey, <laughs> you want to know something that's just truly awful here you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but i think that'll do it for us for this week and once again thank you all for listening and for being here and we'll catch you guys next week bye